Guys, welcome back. If I haven't met you, my name is Drake, and I absolutely love that song. Because of Christ's life, his death, his resurrection, we have a new living hope that we can live for. Amen? And that's what we celebrate every single week here at Salt Company. But I want to say welcome back. Uh, we're excited to get back into our weekly rhythm of joining. And the beginning of the spring semester is a little bit of a unique time, right? Because you have the beginning of a new semester kind of joining in with the beginning of a new year. And so motivation for you all can be a little bit high. For some of you, that might be the furthest from the truth. But for some of you, you're like, okay, this is the semester. Study habits are going to be different this time, right? Like all those gaps in my schedule that I've been telling people are going to be great for studying, I'm going to actually do that. And who knows how that's actually going to play out for you, but here's what I know. The beginning of a, a, a new year, everyone's talking about New Year's resolutions that they want to make. Like how can this year be better than last? And here, as I've heard different resolutions, all right, here is what I've heard that all of them are actually striving after. Whether it's a new diet, a new exercise routine, or, or whether it's a new study habit, all of them are striving after this one thing, and that's rest. We're going to be using that word throughout this message, and so I want to give you a, a simple definition of what I mean by rest. I mean that you are completely at peace with where you're at, completely at peace with what your future holds, completely at peace with your relationship status, completely at peace with what you have. No matter what comes your way, you are at peace. That's the rest that everyone is striving after. And here's the reality. Culture actually has a path for you to find rest. Whether you knew it or not, it's the current that you swim in that culture is saying this is how you find rest. So they're going to give you a pathway to rest. They're going to give you, actually, if, if that's the path, here's the problem that gets in your way, and then here's the plan forward. And so just to quickly hit on those things, culture's pathway for you to find rest is that you would look within yourself to find who you truly are. You wouldn't let anyone else dictate that, but you'd actually look within and you'd see the desires that you have, the things that sound like a, a pleasurable search for you, and that you would actually live those things out. Whatever you see within your own heart, live that out for the social world around you to see. And so this is where we get the phrase, be true to who you are. You're the one in the driver's seat determining what you should be living for and what your identity is. And so if that's the pathway that culture gives you to find rest, to find peace, here's the problem. Anything that gets in the way of you living out who you really are. Maybe it's you just haven't discovered who you truly are yet. Maybe it's someone who's trying to make you be someone that you feel like you're not. Maybe it's a structure in society that's trying to keep you from being who you truly are. So there's all these different barriers that are getting in the way from you being who you truly are. And so the plan forward is to remove all of those barriers, to look within your own heart, and to see whatever desires you have, and to try to live those out to the fullest. Try to live those out, because only then will you be true 
to who you are. Only then will you, will you be completely at peace. Only then will you find the rest that you're looking for. Here's the issue, though. That plan isn't working. So I, I saw this study by the American College Health Association that did a study on college students. And what they were looking at was just what's the mental health status among college students right now? And guys, some of the stats that they came up with were staggering, right? 87% of college students felt overwhelmed by all they had to do. That might be some of you right now, right? You're learning all the homework assignments, all the quizzes, all the tests, and you're trying to balance that with work and a social life. And you're looking at the semester and you're already feeling overwhelmed by all the things you have to do. The next stat, 66% of college students said that they felt overwhelming anxiety. And the craziest thing about that is that there's a huge majority of people that are experiencing that, while at the same time, anxiety makes you feel isolated and like you were alone in that battle. So for some of you, you, you feel that. But as I was looking at this study, the thing that blew my mind was that this study was published in January of 2020, two months before a pandemic ever hit our lives. And so we can only imagine that those numbers have grown since then. And so if culture gives you such a clear path to find rest and the most free means possible for you to mold yourself into whatever person you want to be, why is it not leading to rest but restlessness? So we have to ask the question, okay, how do we find rest? I'm not just talking about a physical rest. I'm talking about a soul-level rest. How do we find rest for our souls? That is the invitation that we are going to be seeing tonight. So if you have a Bible, open up to Matthew 11. We're going to be looking at verses 28 through 30. And if you don't have a Bible, you can follow the words on the screens. And we actually want you to take a Bible home with you. So maybe this is your first time or you just don't have one. There's actually free Bibles out on the table. Take one of those home with you and let this be a year that you join in with a connection group. And you just ask people, hey, can you help me read this and learn from God's word? Because we believe God's voice is revealed in his word. So we want to open it up again tonight to hear some words from Jesus. In verse 28 it says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So right away from Jesus, we see the most beautiful invitation that you have ever heard about. But before I get into that invitation, I want to color in who this Jesus is. Like he's saying, come to me. So we should probably figure out who is this me that he's talking about, right? The verses right before actually color in who Jesus is. So now I'm going to look at verses 25 through 27. It says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses 
to reveal him. So Jesus is saying this prayer to his father, who is Lord over all, Lord of heaven and earth. And the next line he says is that that father, that God, has actually handed all things over to Jesus. And so Jesus is the one who has all power. He's in supreme authority, sitting on the throne over everything. That is the me that he is inviting people into. And so I want to ask the question, like, if that is the dude that we're talking about, the one with supreme authority over all, who are the amazing people that are getting the incredible opportunity to be invited into him? Because if we look throughout our world, anyone with power or status, the people that they're inviting in are people that have something to offer. Like, they can make that pet person look better. But let's look at who Jesus invites to come to him. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. So this word for labor means speaking to you who are feeling weary. Speaking to you who are just feeling tired. Speaking to you who are feeling exhausted for trying to measure up, heavy laden, and speaking to you who are feeling burdened. Like there's things that are happening around you in your life or that has happened to you that is causing you to feel this weight and this burden that you are carrying with you seemingly all the time. Does that describe anyone here tonight? Like maybe you're feeling weary in your soul because you've been striving to become someone that you're not. And you've been putting on this front in front of everyone else, and you're just feeling exhausted. Or maybe you're weary because you were running after the college scene in the first semester, and it didn't actually provide for you the joy and the satisfaction that it promised. And you're feeling empty. Maybe you're feeling weary because there are struggles in your life that resurface over winter break that you feel are too great for you to conquer. And you're sitting here tonight feeling a little bit hopeless. Or maybe you're feeling burdened. Burdened by the loss of someone dear to you. Burdened by the brokenness that you see in the world that is affecting you in an intimate way. Burdened by the weight that you carry with you to measure up in your classes. To to be a successful person. To prove to the people around you that you are living a life worth living. Maybe you're burdened by the hurt that someone has caused you, what is it for you? And here's what I want to say. Can you just be honest with yourself tonight? Can you just be real? Like if you're feeling weary, if you're feeling burdened, would you just be real with yourself? Because here's what we do. We try to stuff that down. We try to put on that smiling face and make it look like everything is okay. Just put one foot in front of the other. But here's what I want to say. To the people that are feeling weary and burdened, there is good news for you tonight. Because it is the weary, it is the burdened, it is the ones with the heavy heart that Jesus looks in the eye and says, come to me. And I love how general he makes this invitation. Like he knows that burdened people are really good at counting themselves out. Like, I know he's talking to this group of people, but he for sure can't be talking to me. Like, if he knew really what was going on in my life, there's no way that he would be including me into this group. But here's the thing. The word all means all. Like, he is incredibly general of who he's talking to. All 
who are weary, all who are burdened, all who are feeling broken. He gives you no opportunity to count yourself out. He's saying, all, would you come to me to find rest? But we wrestle with this concept still. It doesn't matter how clear the words of Jesus are, we still wrestle with this. Like, how can someone as broken as me, as flawed as myself, how could someone like me come into the presence of someone with that kind of authority, with that kind of holiness, with that kind of honor? So instead of coming to him, what we do is we try to clean up our act on our own, right? We try to make ourselves worthy enough to come into his presence. Like we try to stop doing those things. We try to start doing those things. And what we are fighting to do is we're trying to be worthy for God without God. But the issue here is something that is broken cannot fix itself. Okay, so a lot of you know uh, that I have a little girl named Isabel. okay? She just turned a year old, and um, she's been an absolute joy. But here, here's one thing I learned about Isabel in year one. Girl loves to eat, all right? And that's an example of something you can say to kids that you don't say to adults. But girl loves to eat, okay? And so there's one morning that I'm sitting down with her. She's having her yogurt. She's having her raspberries, all that kind of stuff. And her hand, there it is, okay? There's, there's a punchline coming, so you didn't see it. Uh, so here's the thing. She has her hands covered in yogurt. And there's a moment that I see her. She kind of is like working her eyebrows. She has an itch. I'm like, this should be interesting, right? And so she immediately goes with her hand and goes for that itch, but then she has an itch with yogurt on her face. So then she's trying, how do I, how do I fix this up? So she takes her hands covered in yogurt and keeps wiping it all, in, all over time and time again, and that is how successful she got with wiping herself clean. Here's the thing. Her hands were covered in yogurt. She wasn't cleaning herself up. She was merely moving around the mess. Salcom, here is what is true about you. You have no ability to clean up your mess on your own. Your best attempt to clean yourself up for God is merely moving around the mess. So maybe you feel really broken about some sin in your life, and so you fight really hard to be a better moral person. Or you fight really hard to have the perfect spiritual disciplines. And what that actually leads to is you feeling puffed up in pride because of how well you're performing. Or maybe you feel down about yourself. And so in order to feel better, in order for you to feel worthy with who you are, what you do is you gossip about other people. Right? You tear other people down in order to prop yourself up, and that is the fast track that you try to take to make yourself worthy before God. And so in all these things, we're trying to clean up our own mess, but we're just pushing it around, and there's nothing we can do. But the message from Jesus isn't clean yourself up and then come to me. It's just come to me in your weary state, in your broken state, in your burdened state. Come as you are. So to you who are wrestling with the same sin struggle over and over, Jesus would look at you and say, come to me. For you who have had no past in the church, and this is maybe your first time in a worship setting, and you look at your past and you see that it's so far from the likeness of Jesus, he would look at you and say, come to me. 
To you who are exhausted from fighting to do this on your own, he would say, come to me. To you who did this, the thing that you said you would never do again, Jesus is looking at you and he says, come to me. And here's what we find when we zero in on this passage. That where we thought that all these things are the things that should disqualify us from coming to Jesus, what we hear from the words of Jesus are that they are the very things that actually qualify us to come to him. Like all of our brokenness isn't what disqualifies us, it qualifies us to be broken people coming to a Savior. Jesus delights in broken and weary people coming to him. It is the resume that he is looking for. So in a book, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, uh, where he zeroes in on this passage, he says this about this exact idea. He says, when you come to Christ for mercy and love and help, in your anguish and perplexity and sinfulness, you are going with the flow of his own deepest wishes, not against them. When you come to Christ with your brokenness, you are going with the flow of his deepest wishes, not against them. Think about that. Like Christ's deepest wishes are that you would just come to him as you are. That you wouldn't try to clean yourself up first. That you wouldn't try to have a really good attendance or a really good Bible reading plan or anything like that. But that you would come to him right now where you're seated. And when we come to Jesus... We also come to a promise. He looks at you and he says, come to me and I will give you rest. And when he says I, he's speaking about himself. Like the person of Jesus is the thing that all of our souls are longing to be back in a relationship with. Jesus himself is the one thing that will give our heart the rest that we desire. And he, he promises it to us because he knows that you are currently living without it. He is the only one who will give you the rest that the whole world is searching for. But you might be asking, okay, what's different about Jesus? Because there's been a lot of things who have promised that have promised rest and satisfaction in my life, and I chased hard after those things. And not one of them came through on their promise. Not one of them provided that rest that I long for. What is so different about Jesus? So let's look back at the text. And one of the parts of this text I want to zero in on is actually a unique text to anywhere else in the gospel. Because this is the one point in all of the gospel that Jesus actually gives you a window into what his heart is like for broken people like you and me. So he says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says that he is gentle with sinners, that he deals calmly with your brokenness, that he is patient with you. He says that he is lowly in heart. That means that he is humble and approachable for broken people like you and me. That he doesn't lash out in some sort of harshness, but he actually welcomes you in to his lavished love. Is that the posture that you feel Jesus has directed towards you right now? Because if you're like me, I create another form of Jesus in my mind all the time. 
one who is fed up with all the brokenness in my life. One who is incredibly harsh when I keep messing up over and over and over again. One who says, Drake, you better get your act together before you come to experience me. And what I love about this text is that it shows that can't be further from the truth. It says that Jesus isn't this harsh and unapproachable God, but he's actually gentle and lowly. So what if we begin operating off of how Jesus describes himself and not how you describe him? How would that change how you approach him? How would that change how you live? Because he says again that he is gentle and lowly. He doesn't just say that with his words. He actually lives that out with his life. The very fact that he came to this broken world, like he saw a group of broken people walking on this world, and he says, I'm not going to step back from them, but I'm actually going to pursue after them. And when he came to this world, he actually walked amongst the most broken people that the rest of society cast out from their presence, and he is welcoming them in. And then he decided to carry the burden of a cross up a hill and then to hang on the cross carrying the burden of our sin and brokenness upon himself. And then dying, being buried in the grave and raising from the dead, offering you new life in him. That you actually don't need to sit in that burden. You don't need to sit in that brokenness, but that he has accomplished it. He has defeated the penalty of that sin to the full so that you can experience the new life in Christ where the rest of the world says burden on you, you figure it out. You take care of it on your own. You let time heal all wounds. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says burden off you, burden on me. Let me take your brokenness. Let me take your shame. Let me take your guilt upon myself. I will pay the penalty on your behalf so that you don't have to. And so now, in order for you to experience the gentle and lowly heart of Christ, all you have to do is accept his invitation to come to him, to be welcomed into his loving embrace. He's conquered everything on your behalf, and so now you are perfectly freed up to experience the rest that's found in his unconditional love. And for some of you, this might be coming to Jesus for the first time. Again, you've created a list of all these different reasons why you aren't worthy for him. And what he's showing you right now is that he's actually knocked down that entire list of barriers. And he is welcoming you in right now to find rest. But what we also know, as you continue to follow Jesus, is that this isn't just something you do once. But it's day after day after day that you need to come back to Jesus to see the rest that he has for you. And as you continue to come back to Jesus, what he's going to convince you of more and more is that gentle and lowly heart that he has towards you right now in this moment. Guys, this was an incredible encouragement even for my own heart. Because I, as I'm thinking about this and meditating on this text, what it got me thinking was, man, what are all the lies that I've cried out to him? that I've believed? What are all the doubts? What are all the questions that I've yelled out to Jesus because I didn't believe that that is actually who he was? And then I begin to think, man, what was his gentle response actually like? How would have that 
king actually responded to me. And so I've said these things like, Jesus, I am completely unworthy of your love. Like, I feel like I keep failing. I feel like I keep falling short. Like, how am I ever going to be good enough for you? He said, Drake, come to me. I will give you rest. But Jesus, you you don't fully get it. Like, there's so much brokenness in my past. There's things that I've done that I regret. There's people that I've hurt. There's people that have hurt me. There's things that I've tucked away so far that no one else even knows about that I feel shame towards. Drake, I know it all. Come to me. But Jesus, it's not, it's not just my past. The struggle continues day after day, and there's sin that I keep going back to time and time and time again, even though I've made a promise time after time that I would never do this again. And yet I continue to go back to that. Drake, my blood paid for it all. It's finished. But Jesus, you have been so incredibly good to me. I feel like all I do time after time is I just turn my back and run from you. Why would someone like me be worthy to come into your presence? That is the very person that I came to save. But Jesus, shouldn't I feel something? Like, shouldn't I be stirred up in emotion for you? With how much you've loved me, why do I feel so dry when I approach you? Why don't I feel anything? Shouldn't I feel something like, what's wrong with me? And he would just say, Drake, it's not about how you feel. It's about what I've done for you. Come to me. But Jesus, the fight some days feels so difficult to follow you. Like the desires feel too strong. How am I supposed to do this day after day after day? How am I supposed to follow you with the rest of my life? Drake, I will be with you every step of the way. I am holding on to you, and I will never let go. Here's what I found when I reflect on all the objections that I've heaved up towards God for why I am unworthy for him. He comes back with that same gentle heart towards me. And here's what I want to encourage you in. When you come back to Jesus time after time after time, what you are going to discover is that when he said it is finished, he actually meant it. What you're going to see is that no matter how many objections you throw up to him, he's going to say, I am staying right here. I'm not going anywhere. You are mine. And we will become more aware of his gentle love for broken people like us. And we'll begin to operate out of that more and more. And so this is what I want to say. Why don't we just set aside all those objections? Why don't we just accept the free invitation that Jesus gives all of you tonight to come to him? Because when you come to him, you will see that gentle love that he has for you. If you hear anything tonight, my prayer is that every single one of you would hear that Jesus is looking you in the eyes and saying, come to me, and I will give you rest. Like for you to say that your burdens are the things that should keep you from Jesus would be like me saying, I shouldn't go to a gas station because my car is empty. 
Like the broken people are the very people that Jesus came for. So he's looking at you tonight and he's saying, come to me. I died for you. Come as you are. But Jesus loves you so much that he's not going to let you stay as you are. He loves you too much to let you stay in the life that you've been living where you have been feeling a restlessness in your soul. So these are the words he says. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Okay, there's a lot to unpack from this. And it could be a whole other sermon. But I want to simply put what he's saying. Jesus is saying, I will continue to be right by your side. Follow my example. I've welcomed you in to find the rest that's found in me. I've also welcomed you and empowered you to live out the rest-filled life that Jesus walked on this world. That Jesus constantly exists in. And he's just saying, would you reorient your life with my help to look more like me? I will be with you every single step of the way. So I'll come here. That's what I want for you all the rest of this semester. The reason why we talk about Jesus every single week is because we want to lift up his name. Like, we don't want you to leave this place saying Salt Company is amazing. We want you to say Jesus is amazing. Because we want you to behold him with the rest of your life. We want you to see that the life he lived was actually for your benefit. Not just to be a better person, not just to feel better about yourself, but to actually experience the rest that your soul craves. So here's my encouragement for you to live a semester where you are beholding Jesus and you are seeking to become more like him with your life. Surround yourself with people that are pursuing that same end. Like this is a room full of broken people just needing Jesus to be our savior and we want to chase after him together. So my challenge to you would be, would you commit to coming every single week? Would you commit to a connection group every single week and join in with us as we seek to fix our eyes on Christ, as we seek to become more like him with our life? And the prayer that we have is that as we look more and more like Jesus, as we live in the freedom that he has, there would be ripple effects across this campus. That more and more people would witness the rest that you're living in because you know Jesus and they would want that themselves. That they would come into this group and they would behold Jesus for the first time and that they would enter into that same very rest. So I'll come here. Let's strive after this together. Let's behold Christ with our lives. His invitation is come to me and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Jesus, this message is one that I that I needed. It's amazing how many times I go back to trying to solve things on my own. How many times I run back to my performance and I try to ride that out for a while, but it only takes maybe an hour or a day for me to fall on my face again and then I just feel unworthy before you. But Jesus, would every single person in this room Hear that invitation that you were saying to them, like the person that is in their seat tonight, that they would see you looking at them saying, come to me. I have paid it all. The penalty for your brokenness, the penalty for your sin, the things that make you feel unworthy. I came to die for that so that you could come to me. Jesus, your gospel is such good news. And I pray that it would cause us 
to lay aside every objection that we have for reasons why we shouldn't come to you tonight. Even as, we're, as people are sitting in their seats and maybe thinking through, yeah, but he didn't mention that. Or there's things that if he knew, he would have kind of had a caveat to that. No, that every single person in this room would realize that they're invited in to worship you. So Jesus, as we come back to you in worship, would we sing as if we are in relationship with you because we are? Would we sing as if we are freed up by your blood because we are? Would we sing as if we have been invited into a relationship with you for all of eternity because we have? There is nothing holding us back from you tonight. Everyone here is as welcome to come to Christ right now as they will ever be. Would they feel that?